Welcome to the Video Insiders Podcast. I'm Carlos Pacheco. And I'm Tom Martin. Who doesn't sound too good this week. Not because he has a coronavirus, but because he's just left Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> we do not talk politics on that on this show, Carlos, please. please. All right, all right. We are two grizzled YouTube veterans with billions of views between us, and we're here to give you our two cents on the business of YouTube so you can make more money. News, strategy, insights, and just a sprinkle of what, Tom? Snark. <laughs> what's, uh, what's going on this week other than, uh, you know, uh, wearing a face mask? Yeah, apart from uh, lots of uh, sniffles and coughs and colds, just keep it busy. Keep on keeping on. Um, found out this week that I'm going to be speaking at yet another conference. Uh, so I'll be heading over to, and I can announce this now, I'll be heading over to San Diego uh, at the end of March to speak at um, Traffic and Conversion Summit. Whoa. Which is my probably going to be my biggest gig in terms of audience. The smallest room that they have holds a 1,000 people. So as long as some people turn up, it's, it's most likely going to be my, my biggest audience in terms of people. So that's pretty cool. Wow. I'll be speaking about uh, YouTube keyword research to a whole ton of um, keyword research and SEO enthusiasts. So, uh, yeah, it should be pretty cool. Very cool. You're going to become too big for us. Oh, never. This is, this is home. I know where, I know where my, I know where my bread's buttered. Oh, although having, having said that about knowing where my bread's buttered, my speaking gig is actually on my wife's birthday. So yeah. uh, You're going to have to pay for that one. It's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But really it's like, yeah, you're going to pay for this. So, um, Luckily, she does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> join the club, join the club. <laughs> what about you, Carlos? What's life like in Toronto this week? Right now, this week is uh, rocking and rolling because I'm being kicked out of my house uh, as of next in the next couple of days. And by the time this episode goes up, it'll be hopefully fixed. But um, a couple of months ago, I had a flood and our floors are destroyed. And the companies, uh, the insurance company needs us to completely move out uh, for the next three weeks. And uh, yeah, it's going to be very chaotic. Luckily enough, we live in a, a you know, a, a typical Toronto condo. And luckily enough, I found a place within the building to move into for the next three weeks. But yeah, that's sort of like the, the thing that's prepared for us. In terms of work-wise, I would say it's, it's again, it's, it's rocking and rolling where, you know, I'm working now with uh, Just For Last again. And I'm, you know, diving into the whole Facebook, you know, monetization side of things. And I'm realizing just how rudimentary Facebook is. Yeah. Just, and how, like, I asked a rep for information and they did not know. <laughs> and it's like, this is somebody who's in charge of talent and, you know, monetization stuff in Canada. Right. And it's like one of the, one of the things that, you know, we know as Canadians in this industry is that the reps and the people in the offices in Canada are just, are almost like, like these invisible people within the e-company. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 sure. Uh, but they'll, they'll, they'll play you along, but at the end of the day, they have no power and they don't know much and they just have to talk to, um, you know, the head office in, in San Francisco, right? And um, so, yeah, like it's, it's jumping into that world. Also, like realizing just how much, YouTube doesn't like people like us. <laughs> it's 
true because I, I have a client who invited me to a YouTube event and then YouTube literally said, and even though the clients made it perfectly transparent that I'm in charge of their YouTube strategy, the YouTube said, no, it's only for you. And to me, that shows that YouTube just does not like it that, you know, we know too much and they want to sell the YouTube advertising ecosystem as opposed to the YouTube, you know, you know, as a building a channel organically. Yeah. I was speaking to a client only yesterday and because um, they had a problem and because they were under a hundred thousand, they didn't have a uh, partner manager. And because Mm -hmm. the problem was with their AdSense account, they were no longer partners. So they couldn't even get any kind of support. But how do you fix the problem if you can't get support? Uh, And then I was just saying, yeah, you know, if I really had to, you know, get out of a pinch. There are people that I could go to. But generally, as soon as I've left kind of the big media companies, my YouTube contacts really don't want to know me anymore, which is kind of strange. You can understand they've got limited time and it has to be dedicated to their preferred partners. But I don't know. There's there's a part of me that thinks, you know, we are experts, but also we're advocates for the platform. You know, we're helping people grow their channels, make more money. So it's in, be- it's in it's in YouTube's best interest to uh, to keep us on side, and you know even uh, having to re up my uh, my certification since they changed the certification program again back in October and have made it private. It's almost impossible yeah. for somebody on the outside to get in. Luckily, I've got um, very great Portuguese <laughs> mafia. <laughs> Portuguese mafia con- uh, contacts in Toronto that helped me out, so I am now certified. But yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, made me feel like a bit of an outsider, which is a, a strange move, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is. Anyways, enough about us complaining. You know, shaking our fists at the air. That was that was slightly more than a sprinkling of snog. That was like uh, that, that was a cup full of snog. Yeah, exactly. First off, I want to apologize for my audio quality. Uh, it's a bit uh, we're having a mic issue on my end. But before we get started, let's thank who is sponsoring this show. Thank you, TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy has been a sponsor since the start of the show, and we really appreciate it. TubeBuddy is the ultimate tool for creators to streamline their daily workflow on YouTube, allowing for more time for great content, for brands to help reduce busy work and focus on what matters, growing your business on YouTube, for agencies to help manage multiple channels, and for networks to give partners incentives and tools and an attractive incentive for recruitment. You can get an exclusive multi-channel discount license by visiting www.videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. And that is an exclusive discount that you can only get through being one of our fellow Video Insiders. Awesome. So this week, we're on a roll in terms of like talking to fellow entrepreneurs, fellow experts in this field. And we have uh, quite a few interviews banked at this point. This is one of my one of mine that I've been trying to get for months, but he's a very elusive person, just like us, a little bit of introvert, which is great. Uh, We love introverts. Mark is the founder of Real SEO, which became Tubular Insights. He now heads the business track on at VidCon. He's been doing it for the last couple of years. He's been in the space for 
wow, like something like close to 10 years. Oh, and actually more like 13 years. He knows a lot. He's seen it all. He's a little bit jaded, like a little bit like us. You know, Mark, you've spoken at VidCon. Like, tell me a little bit about, you know, your relationship with him. Yeah, Mark is absolutely one of my favorite people in the industry. And uh, not only because he, uh, for some reason, continues to invite me back to speak at the various amazing VidCon events uh, around the world. But Mark is just, just like, like you say, he's, you'd say shy. I'd say he was really humble because he's probably the smartest guy in the industry. You know, when he talks, you need to listen. When he gives presentations, like you need to be in the room because he just gives like no nonsense advice, no frills. He's just telling you how it is. And like, you know, there's things he's forgotten about YouTube and SEO that most people in the industry haven't even learned yet. So he's really one of the OGs of YouTube. And, uh, you know, I've, you know, I've had the pleasure of having dinner with him and drinks and stuff, but I've never really got to dive into too much like his story or, you know, his opinions on a, on a lot of stuff yet. So really looking forward to hearing uh, a bit more in-depth stuff from Mark because, you know, he doesn't do this a lot. He doesn't do a lot of uh, podcasts. He doesn't, you know, he's not really one for the spotlight. So, yeah, really interested to see, and I'm sure the audience are as well, what, what Mark has to say on uh, the state of the industry, basically. Cool. Yeah. So let's not spend too much time. Let's get straight up to it. And just as a little... Side note, we've been having a lot of like audio issues and just let's get to it. This week, I finally get to talk to Mark Robertson, who is somebody I've been in a way stalking for the past uh, <laughs> seven to eight years. Um, Mark is as the founder of a real SEO now called Tubular Insights. He uh, is a social video marketing expert, pop, you know, popular speaker and passionate thought leader within the online uh, video and, and search marketing industries. Me and him have sort of like, you know, been Twitter buddies for the past couple of years and like <laughs> tweets and all that sort of stuff. And I've been wanting to have a conversation with him for, for a long time. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I'm stoked too. I've, we've been following each other forever, it seems. Yeah, exactly. We totally, you know, clicked once we started talking to each other. So it's, it's been a great, uh, great to connect. I want to get right into the questions. Okay, cool. we're going to go with some some very basic questions. So don't worry about it. I'm not going to grow you with anything too complicated. Yeah. But, you know, real SEO it was started in 2017. So going on 13 years of you being in the space. Back in the day, it was mostly about, you know, marketing SEO. From my perspective, it's always been about marketing SEO. But anyways, did you ever imagine? Oh, we could, we could riff on that for a bit too. No, I agree yeah. with you. Did you ever imagine you'd be drowning in a world of millions of channels at this point? Honestly, I don't. I was so, let me, let me backtrack a little. Before Real SEO, the reason I started it was I was a search engine optimization guy. And about two years prior to starting it, I was working at a media company as the director of interactive and rolled out across uh, 50 newspaper divisions, this product where people could, uh, small businesses could buy video, have that produced and then put up uh, syndicated on the web. And of course in 2006 and seven, that's when YouTube hit. So for me, it, it was, it started as really just something I was interested in learning more about myself and as well as educating others and um, I don't think I did ever imagine or specifically think about the fact that we'd be, 
you know, we'd have millions of channels and influencers everywhere. I think it was sort of something I, I assumed would happen that video would take over once the technology caught up with it. And certainly it did, but no, it's, it's pretty amazing how there's an entire ecosystem of people involved in online video and a lot of people growing up now, that's a career that they, that they're highlighting for themselves. So um, I was to your point, I was much more uh, interested in the dynamics of the technology and how, as marketers, we could take advantage of that um, and optimize for that and, and how storytelling was evolving. And I, I was less, less in tune with the entertainment and media side. Yeah, I can, uh, I can imagine like even back then, like, you know, you only, you only thought of YouTube as uh, YouTube, right? Almost like Netflix nowadays, right? It would be just YouTube. You'd expect to have mini networks within it, uh, mini you know, ecosystems within it that it's turned out to be at this point. No, I mean, if you think about it, that was, I, was the iPhone in 2007? I, it was, uh, you know, we didn't even have cameras on our phones. No. And um, HTML5 was another, I want to say, five years out. So the, the fact that everybody has an amazing, everybody, most people have an amazing video recording device on them at all times, I don't know that I saw that coming as quickly as it did. And I really think that's part of the reason why everything has, has grown to the, to the fact that now we've got millions of people doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Too cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, just reiterating that fact that like you've been in the ecosystem for so long, you've been paying attention to this uh, ecosystem longer than most of us, actually, you've seen it all. Is there anything out there like being, you know, other than platforms, but is there anything that really excites you? Like uh, in terms of create, is it like new creators or is it just like the new companies, you know, trying new things? Uh, and are you just blase at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, let's be honest, a little of both. No, but I definitely, there's things that excite me that, that get me really interested. Um, again, it, it tends to root itself in the technology side. So, you know, I'm really interested in, in the way AI is being used um, in machine learning and how it's going to affect things. Um, it's going to be very interesting in the coming years. And in fact, probably this year as well to be able to uh, know whether or not an actual human recorded what you're watching or whether or not it was manipulated. Um, on, that's on the technology side, but it, honestly, this this isn't exciting for everybody, but the ad ecosystem and the, the marketing opportunities still excite me. I still love that when you can find something that um, is some low hanging fruit or, or something that you didn't realize you could take advantage of um, and really, really get your message out, um, your awareness out, even, you know, direct conversion using video. It's like, we're finally getting to a point I think where we can, much better measure ROI than, than we used to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something that like, you know, most of, you know, most creators out there don't even think about, right. It's right. Uh, funny enough. Um, you know, uh, let's make it more about me, but, um, I just had an email exchange with a potential client where he was like, you know, he, he has a business, he's a doctor and he was making videos. And I was saying, wow, that's awesome. There's that's not amazing. a lot of like, you know, doctors making videos and he was too focused on the monetization part. And I was uh, like, you know, like, wait, you're on here just to, to try to make money from the videos. 
you're a doctor for crying out loud. <laughs> like, I mean, use this to, you know, help people, you know, learn what you do and, and drive people to your business where you'll make way more money than, than uh, anything YouTube's going to give you for a long time. So I think that the, the space, you know, the, 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 I don't know, the, the noise around monetization. And I personally, again, this is Carlos going on a tangent here, but, you know, I, I personally am completely annoyed by the, the press, specifically Business Insider, who just focuses <laughs> on how much money YouTubers make more than anything else. Not about like strategy or what it really does or what's the real opportunity there. But right. uh, I think that gets washed out a lot in the media. Well, you, you just covered so many things. I mean, <laughs> Business Insider, uh, you know, they're, they're a publication. They need to get readers and viewers. Yeah. And, and obviously that's what people are interested in. But I, I, I hear you on the noise. Um, I understand very well that there's creators who this is their living and when there's a change to monetization or when it's not as transparent how things are going it's upsetting um at the same time i understand that youtube is a free service um a lot of this you know we don't pay to have our videos hosted we don't pay to get an audience um for the most part and and then i also understand that youtube sort of created this ecosystem of monetization and this this assumption by pretty much anyone who uploads a video to YouTube that they can become rich off of it. You know, it's not YouTube's fault. It's not the creators that are doing well's fault. And and uh, it's not exactly the media's fault, but it is noise in, in many cases. And I think if you look at the internet as a whole, any business that's really been hugely successful, anyone that I can think of off the top of my head started by not being concerned about monetization. How can we get the most people to our cause. How can we, I mean, think about Gmail and Google and I mean, any, anything I can think of. Um, monetization was always secondary to growing an audience and support. And that was the same with um, my blog and, and, and real SEO at the time. That's the same, you know, there's obviously some side cases where people go viral or, or people have uh, very specific goals around monetization from the out outset and they're successful. But I think most businesses and most um, people that are incredibly successful online have done that by focusing on what they love to do, doing it for the sake of getting their message out and then monetization happened. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's the sense. I, I personally believe in that as well as, you know, I've seen, you know, channels, uh, explode and then, you know, die out and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's when they lose focus on what they love as opposed to just getting an audience is, uh, or just monetization, things get a little bit uh, murky. So yeah, I mean, um, it's the same with, uh, the algorithm noise, right? Yeah. We hear that a lot. It's, it comes from a, a place that I understand, which is people do get concerned and I've, I've had issues with algorithms um, affecting my business before. It's it's frustrating, but you know we've got we've got friends in the industry who are more vocal, say on video, like uh, Roberto Blake and uh, Tim Schmoyer and Daryl Eves, and all of those people will tell you that to rely solely on one platform's monetization program is is probably part of the problem. You, know, you have to really expand what it is that you're. Uh, that you're focused on. And if you build the audience, then you can monetize it. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I literally just got off. Um, I just recorded an episode with uh, Stuart Bertelstar, which is a local creator who, who got bit by that many years ago because he was all in on Vine. 
um, uh -huh. decided to be super focused on that because he was doing well. But he learned quickly that, you know, that things can change very quickly and he's evolved beyond that. And he's learned now to not just base himself on, on just one platform. I think people yeah. are smarter nowadays. But. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little secret that uh, only a few people know, which, and that's that um, in 2012, and 13, uh, I was hit real SEO by a, a Google algorithm change. Um, it wasn't a penalty or anything like that. It had had a lot to do with the type of site that we were um, and Panda. And it drastically affected my livelihood as, as well as the future of where I was going with that business. Um, I didn't know what to do. And it was because at the time, almost all of my monetization was, was uh, driven by organic traffic and Google ads. Wow. Share. And so it was, you know, even as somebody who I've been doing SEO since 2000, white hat, uh, never black hat, um, and always follow the algorithm. And in fact, this was a, this was a website to tell people how to best work with Google and YouTube at the time. Even, even I got hit by it. Um, so yeah, I, I certainly understand the, the noise, but I do think it's, it's essentially that when you focus on the right things. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, we're we're just in the middle of of the craziness of Byte as we speak, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to see. The, the funny part is that you know what I'm kind of hoping happens is like there's just so much goodwill towards Vine that people are just jumping on it, and there's like nobody has like I don't know if anybody. And again, I'm a little bit outside of that ecosystem, but I don't feel like people love TikTok. They, or just have, they're just there because it's the platform that's going viral more than anything else. But I don't, and, and this is just a surface level review, but I just felt like the whole internet went, went nuts when Byte was launched, and I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I've, I've been on the beta for a couple of weeks, um, made some mistakes, like <laughs> the fact that I could have had almost any profile name. I think there was like, it was very few beta testers. Um, yeah. So, so I could have had like, LOL, as <laughs> my profile. I'm sure there's a lot of creators upset that others are, are taking their handles. Yeah. But um, no, I think, you know, with, with TikTok, um, I've seen both. I've seen, you know, people of our generation more interested in it because of its quick rise as well as its adoption. And, and let's be on there and let's figure it out. And let's not miss this opportunity. But then, you know, if, if you talk to my nieces, they absolutely are on it all the time and they love it and they shoot videos mm -hmm. for it. And there's, there's a lot of passion around the platform and the creativity on it. At the same time, to your point with, with the bite app, um, when it launched, it was like, uh, there's a ton of goodwill to towards vine towards, towards the, the vine uh, creator, co-creator. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's a lot of things that I, I know that they're doing right. One of which is they're, they're, they're at least stating that they're going to announce a pretty robust creator monetization program in the very near future. And so, you know, that's, that's certainly interesting too, especially when we're in an era where, you know, it seems like there should be more competition than there is. And so I think all of us kind of get excited when there's the possibility of a, of a new platform, not competing per se, but at least uh, more options. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, as somebody who's recently had a, a recently working with a couple of like high-profile clients that have like pretty decent Facebook monetization setup, mm -hmm. it's fascinating just how rudimentary Facebook is in terms of its 
its systems and 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 helping uh, big content creators like understand what's happening in, in the monetization ecosystem. I'll give you a quick anecdote. I had a a chat with a rep, a Facebook rep that literally didn't know if their piracy protection monetizes the way YouTube's piracy protection monetizes. <laughs> and we look at the reports, they're sort of saying that it does. And, you know, the rep's telling me that it doesn't. So, yeah, there's a, l- a lack of education internally and understanding of what the hell is happening with the system, at least from a Canadian perspective. Canada often gets the short stick uh, in this space. So, um, no, I've, I've, sim- I've definitely heard similar things. I think, I think Facebook rolled things out very quickly. A um, lot of good, a lot of mistakes. Um, some of the simplicity in their system is, is nice um, because it's, it makes sense to have certain things um, simplified. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a lot of confusion, especially around the monetization program and the rights management. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, you got Instagram and IGTV, which are interesting in, in they have such a huge footprint that they're, they're quite successful, but you're seeing them gradually change some of the policies and some of the, the ways in which they ask creators to do things. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting time right now, I think. Yeah. There's an opportunity there to, you know, again, like everybody jumped on Facebook. We talk, oh, we're speaking. It's been a couple of weeks since the news about um, what's the Chinese comedy, um, uh, the comedy network who's just going bankrupt. I forget. What it was. Oh yeah. College humor. Yeah. College humor. Yeah. Right. And going sort of like, you know, closing shop. And it's like, they basically admitted that, you know, their bet on Facebook destroyed them. Right. And, among many things, but you know, like when when I look at the networks have who were standing this test of time, they didn't jump into one platform and, and spend a crap ton of money just because uh, the platform promised them something. You know, they they test and they they check it out and they you know take their time, and that's one thing that I feel sometimes people in the entertainment business or publishing industry tend to not do. <laughs> yeah, jump in. Yeah, I don't know, and I think it, in many cases, I mean, over the past twenty years, we've seen the the media industry change so much from d- newspapers basically saying goodbye to you know cable companies um, and cutting the cord, and and now video being on a- any single device anywhere. Now the five G's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the same time, I, I and having worked at a at a media company many years ago, I. I understand they're, they're they're kind of um, they're fighting to stay alive, so yes. they're throwing throwing their money into whatever they can. But uh, you know, a lot of companies um, put a lot of money into Facebook video specifically, and and didn't see it pan out yeah. the way they had hoped. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to you know where do you put the blame there? But yeah, yeah. So we haven't really talked about this, but you work for VidCon, right? You've been there for just at least two years now, right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually a contractor, but I work quite a bit with them. Um, and I've been actually to nine of the 10 VidCons. So I've, I've always um, really supported what they do and what, what VidCon's about. And I'm a good friend with Jim Lauderback, who's the CEO. And uh, in 2016, I helped... Uh, put on some of the industry workshops. And so uh, two years ago, he reached out to me since I uh, was free and asked if I would be interested in doing some more of that for VidCon. So 
Yeah, the last two years I've been doing a lot of the industry track programming and working on the websites um, as I can to to help with marketing and it's been exciting and they're they're up to some really interesting things. Um, I I think you know this, but I'm not sure how many of your audience know. We just announced uh, last month that we're going to be in the Middle East for the first time this year. Yeah. So I'm I'm involved with that. That should be interesting too. That's going to be really interesting. We actually did a podcast, one of our early podcasts was, is Vidcon worth it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and was, we, we agreed that it was, uh, uh-huh. but, you know, especially for people like us, we're not, you know, we're not front of the line, you know, uh, very public people. So yeah, it was sort of like a little bit of insight and we talked about, about our experiences with it. And I'll admittedly only been there once, but, right. um, you know, you, since, you know, your experience, obviously it's gone from like something that was small in a way, but to something that's huge now. Is it approaching 100,000 in the U.S.? People? Oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, they, they, they do attendance in an interesting way, which is um, an aggregate. But I believe, and I wish I had this right in front of me, but I believe last year it was around 80,000 wow. um, in total for the U.S. Uh, so that doesn't account the other events. And a good majority of that, of course, is a community track um yeah. and then next largest is a creator track but the industry track last year in the u.s was um larger than any year prior and was up 40 percent. so um you know it, it is uh you know all events are expensive and travel is expensive but you know we've been what we've been following each other for seven or eight years on twitter it's nice when you when you have a place that you can go and and meet the people you've been working with for years and actually face to face and get things done. And, and we also, of course, on the programming side, I, I do try and bring in innovative workshops and, and training where um, even people like us find some value in that. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been an interesting and fun ride. I think VidCon um, is doing some really interesting things and it's just one of the pieces of glue that the, that the industry needs. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was, and um, just br- to bring it back to my uh, chat with uh, Stuart, who's actually launching a social media North. In oh. He's trying to bring, create VidCon in Canada because you guys aren't, aren't in Canada. So keep an eye on him. Keep an eye yeah, on him. No, I've certainly, you know, I've, I've told you this, but uh, I've lived in Canada and I used to go there every year as a child to Toronto because my family's from there. And so I, I have certainly mentioned on a few occasions that I, I wish there had been or there would be a VidCon in Canada. Those discussions are above me, though. So, yeah. um, But I do wonder, you know, I haven't really how, – how's the Buffer Festival? That's in <laughs> Canada, right? Is that still – No, no. On that one? Well, no comment. Well, no, I'll give you my insight. So for those who don't know, Buffer Festival is about three to four years old now. It was started by a prominent YouTuber – it jumped much more into this sort of like indie filmmaking or online filmmaking ecosystem as opposed to the YouTuber ecosystem. I would say it was doing well up until the CBC got involved. Uh, <laughs> in two cents. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, CBC bought it. And essentially, it's a, as if NPR bought uh, VidCon, right? Right. And, uh, so, yeah, it's turned into something. It's just... It, it doesn't have the winds uh, behind it the same way VidCon has when, or, you know, the, the momentum behind it. So I think there's a, there's something to be said about like, you know, when it's created by the creators and, and, and for creators, as opposed to like 
again, Vidcon's been bought by a big company, so it's, 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 yeah. it's weird. But at the end of the day, it, it's still going. It's just I don't feel like it's, it's, uh, it speaks to the indie creator the way Vidcon does. Um, and that's why I believe that Stuart uh, Brittlestar is, is creating uh, social media north, and he's doing it outside of the city, which is better because obviously in the city is a big, it's expensive to create a, a conference. And he's doing his first year uh, in Stratford, which is huh. already from from the from Toronto, and you know he's expecting a few hundred people, may if you know maybe five hundred people to show up, and you know to go into a small town like that, it's it's pretty great. So I'm hoping it happens. I'm actually going to be speaking there, and there's a few people, you know, a few prominent creators going there at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where I was going with that, but it's just it was sort of like seeing how like the opportunity is still, they're still sort of burgeoning ecosystems in this space. And I think it's, it's fascinating to see. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I absolutely love working with VidCon and everyone that goes there, but there's, you know, there's definitely room for, for many other events. And, yeah. and, and I see, I see those happening. I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on social media North. Maybe I'll head up and listen to you speak. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. The, the funny part is that I'll totally be admitted. I asked Stuart last week and he's like, like, uh, you have me on, but you haven't told me what you want me to talk about. It's like, oh, we're going to figure it out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. You know, like, obviously, you've been in and around the bend, and, you know, we're both uh, much grayer than we used to be. Uh, I would say I speak more for, my, for myself because I'm not looking at you right now. But um, <laughs> how do you feel about the next year? Every year's rocking and rolling. And I was uh, I had Matt Gillen a couple of weeks ago, and... You know, we both sort of like realized like, wow, 2019 was such a rock and roll year. On yeah. Platform. Feels like we want things to be a little bit calmer this year. I think everybody sort of wants everything to be a little bit calmer this year. And I feel like it is so far other than, you know, media drama, news drama. But like, what are you thinking about 2020 in terms of like these online platforms? And I, I'm saying this as Byte is blowing up, right? Like, again, right. is it going to be like, new platforms or is it going to be like everybody's settling in? I think it's going to be a little bit both as usual, but anyways, I'm going to shut up. No, I kind of, I'm, I, I do think last year was actually the last couple of years have been really interesting in terms of um, changes for creators. And in some cases, no is and in some cases really valid concerns. Um, YouTube is, is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, yeah, I think this year will be interesting. I would love, I say this every year, I would love to see more, you know, competitors. I don't know who that would be. I don't know that, um, you know, Byte's an interesting platform and I think there's room for lots, but I do see some, hopefully some maturity in terms of uh, areas and, and, and ways in which creators can get their message out and make money. But I, I think I'm with both of you in that my hope is, and it does feel like it's so far this year that, that for creators this year will be hopefully a, a more smooth ride. And I, I don't think that will be the case when it comes to ad dollars and uh, media, especially with the elections in the U.S. coming up, um, deep fakes and other other things that you know a lot of people are concerned about. I think we're going to continue to see some concerns with you know Facebook privacy, other privacy uh, issues. But uh, I, I think I'm with both of you. I think I, I feel so far this year that I mean, even with uh, COPPA, it's not there was a lot of talk about how devastating that would be. And I, I guess the jury's still out, but it, it feels like it hasn't been like, it certainly it, it will be a nicer year for creators. Mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah. Anecdotally, like I've 
recently had got the access to a quite substantial kids channel and Coppas decimated it. Like it. it makes no sense to see a channel with 4 million subscribers go from like, you know, making a few thousand dollars a year. It was, this was like a, a dormant channel. So, mm. but a few thousand dollars a month to like, it'll be lucky if it breaks $500 a month. And this is evergreen content, right? And at the same time, going from growing, consistently growing to losing, you know, five to 600 subscribers a day. So it's there, it's just that people aren't as vocal as they were a couple of months ago. And they're just like scrambling to, to move on to figure something out. I'm, right. you know, I know a couple of YouTubers who, you know, their content touches the, the kids scene, but, and obviously they were flagged and a couple of their videos are flagged. And so they're like, okay, well, we're going to, our, our content is going to shift to be a little bit more comedy, pranky, all that sort of stuff to, to age up a bit. And, and that's what essentially everybody's sort of, you know, using their runway money maybe <laughs> to just, you know, uh, figure things out and evolve. And um, again, just anecdotally, and this, I don't know if this is something you've heard from others in the ecosystem, I'm seeing channels that weren't in the e- kids ecosystem completely blow up in the last couple months, couple weeks. Like right. monetization's up, volume's up, everything's going up. And me and Tom are sort of like debating on this and we're thinking that the whole that the kids channels, the kid algorithm has created is being filled by adult content. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. It's possible. I mean, same, I've, I've heard similar things anecdotally around, you know, the, the fact that some channels that are clearly uh, focused on children's content are suffering as a result of the changes. At the same time, I struggle a bit with that because you know, the YouTube was never made as a platform for 13 year olds. And so I kind of, I kind of understand um, the desire to put that content elsewhere or treat it differently. Um, so I think, you know, in, in most cases, those, a lot of those channels are having a hard time. I think the channels that were most concerned were the ones that thought uh, perhaps there's some children watching their content, but their content isn't necessarily child focused and yeah. seen some of them have had some issues, but for the most part, it seems like it's gone largely, it's been pr- a pretty smooth ride. And then I've, to your point, I've seen some channels that are um, clearly not children's content never were, and they're, they're not having any issues. So, yeah, you know, I guess that, you know, the jury's still out on that. I think it could have been handled a bit better in the communication, um, you know, and it's, some people say it's the FTC and some people say it's uh, YouTube and anyway, we can talk for an hour about joke. that. It's an What's inside that? joke in terms of like Google as like YouTube, YouTube and Google are like the biggest marketing company, but they're the worst communicators. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's certainly been a desire by many to see better communication from that company. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, as somebody who's dealing with Facebook right now, like, uh, okay, I'll give, I'll give, mm-hmm. I'll give Google the edge right now, but. It's not a big one. Um, and That's an improvement, uh, in all honesty, from, yes, from the, the feedback I've, I've heard over the uh, last four years or so. It was, and I think, it's, I think YouTube has done pretty well in, in making some changes over the last two years in particular. But I remember two years ago, people just were oh, yeah. wondering, why aren't they communicating at all? And yet Facebook yeah. was. And so, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Always changing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely give it to them the, that, you know, things have gotten better and are communicating. I do feel like they do pull the wool in front of 
you know, me, you know, when, when I talk to clients and these are clients where uh, Google is wooing them and YouTube's trying to get them to come to the office and stuff like that. And I'll be perfectly frank. They definitely don't want me there when uh-huh. they those invites. Uh, <laughs> I literally had a client tell me, it's like, Hey, you want to come? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like they literally hired me to, to, to fully manage their YouTube stuff. And YouTube literally told them, it's like, no, we just want the client. I know exactly why you do that because they know that I'm going to be like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and tell the client the truth. Well, you know, again, it, Google has its, its, its goals, right? It's try, it's an advertising company. That's what you need to understand as, a, as somebody in the audience is they're not a content company. So, you know, that's what they're trying to sell all the time. So, and so I, I, I tend to, want to go on a rant these days but that's you know that's who i'm I- just going to rant about what you said i like i think one of the things i hear because they are an advertising company i think uh they don't want they don't want to be seen as a content company but by mere fact of what they do they've in a way become one but more than anything in my opinion they're a data company mm-hmm. and if they can get any piece of data they could possibly get that that will eventually help with advertising it'll help with a lot of things and so every video they upload i mean every frame every second is data to train their algorithms and and to train what's a bit scary and we won't get into it here but the artificial intelligence that's coming very soon yeah that part is is weird Uh, yeah um, so you know, we won't drag this too much longer, but, you know, you said something before, but like, is like, you know, one of the questions every couple of months, especially in 2019 is YouTube was over, you know, <laughs> there's always new platforms as, as we've mentioned, uh, bite is new and, uh, you know, new things come and go. I've always sort of, I have my thoughts, uh, my perspective on it. And I think you've, you've also sort of, you know, brought some points that sort of prove it is like, why do you think, YouTube seems to be standing the test of time. You know, like you look at, you know, Facebook and, and, and Instagram, yes, they're doing something, but they're, they're having a hard time. Whereas YouTube is just like staying steady and growing, obviously the growth will slow, but what is keeping it relevant? What's keeping it going? In your That's opinion? a good question. I mean, I, I think like, yeah, YouTube's definitely not dead and, and won't be anytime soon, but I've, I've seen so many platforms come and go where I thought, you know, they had a, they had a chance and, and they just didn't. Um, and part of it is they're owned by Google um, mm-hmm. and they have tremendous resources and um, ES overheads really, really expensive. But, I th- uh, you know, they're at a point now where um, that's shared uh, a lot of that overhead. So, um, but I think honestly, it's a, a couple things that got them where they are. One, I, I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about this, but the name alone, YouTube. Yeah. I mean, the, the first time I heard the word YouTube, I didn't, I didn't the next day say, what was the name of that company again? Yeah. It's like, it's so obvious. Um, and it's so, it's so pointed at what the platform is about, which is online video. It's not, um, you know, Facebook watch or mm-hmm. uh, some, some bizarre name for a platform. So I, th- I think that's part of it. The other is, um, a couple things. One, they really were the first company or the first platform to provide a super easy way for people to share video. I mean, they were up, they launched at the same time. There were still, you know, WMV uh, movie files where you'd have to 
copy the link and share it with your friend. Um, and yet they had this embeddable code um, that, you know, now everyone has, but I think that really helped in, in the early days. And then the fact now that um, basically they embraced mobile as quickly, if, if not more quickly than Apple did. And so it's totally perfect for mobile. Everybody has it in their pocket. Um, and because of that shareability and the name press refers to it everywhere and all the time. So um now, there's so many things that make it an amazing platform that's standing the test of time, but I think we touched on a few of them. I think um, that the mass alone, it's its hard to see that dying uh, without something really tragic or huge happening. And there's certainly been some concerning things that have happened, but YouTube's worked quickly and Google too to, to get everybody on the same page or resolve those. Um, it's just such a large platform. Uh, I don't think we're going to see it go away anytime soon. And I, and I honestly don't know that we're going to see any, any competitors rival it. Mm. Especially the size, the scale is going to be hard. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, for given niches, um, you know, people, uh, everybody starts on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the easiest startup. Everybody down. knows it. There's no barrier to entry. Um, you know, at a certain point though, this, the size of creators is so large that you wonder, and you you wonder about the viewership, and is it harder to get your message through with so much competition? But you know, day in and day out, it proves that people are doing that. So that's yeah, kind of interesting. That that could be a super super long conversation, but yeah, they've done a lot of things right. And um, I remember when Google bought YouTube, there was there was so much talk over how much money they spent. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, they spent so much on YouTube, and what a great investment. Yeah, and and that's. And then to, to my earlier point, you can just can think about um, not just the audience they have and the support they have and the money they make, but the data, the pure amount of data, audio, visual, text that we have been giving to YouTube and Google that they can then make sense of uh, is amazing. So I think, uh, yeah, I think we'll continue to see YouTube be the place for, I, I can't really sort foresee for the foreseeable future, see anything else. Yeah, I think there's um, something to be said about for me. For me, it's always been the, the, the search, like the fact that search is 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 the, the the core of it. It really helps. Whereas you know, you look at Facebook and and anybody who's sort of like tried to be in a space, it's like yeah, you put a video up and then you sort of like lose it. You'll never find it again. Yeah, it's a little um, more ephemeral. Yeah, and and I think the the social um, ecosystem isn't a good ecosystem for long term growth uh, for for videos in general. But that's again, that's just me. But yeah, I mean, a lot of us thought, and when Facebook launched uh, video in a bigger way, like was it two thousand sixteen, two thousand fifteen, they obviously had a, a leg up when it comes to the social component, and it is an interesting difference between YouTube, who's always tried to nail the social component, maybe hasn't as much. But the one thing, going back to the noise we were talking about earlier, and I get it, but um, when you think about the algorithm and the algorithms, really, there's so many in YouTube, that's really a lot of the magic. I mean, when YouTube makes, uh, they're testing things all the time, obviously, and there's experiments going on all the time. But when they make a change, you could be fairly rest assured it's because they have noticed that it helps. So, you know, I remember, uh, I think it was 2017 when, when the recommended videos on the sidebar that used to be from the same channel that 
they ended up using the deep neural networks um, for the recommendation algorithm. And the creators were just fuming. Why aren't my videos showing up to the right? And, and, you know, I was thinking to myself, just hang in there because YouTube knows that this is going to drive more views, more watch time. And that if you're doing the right things, that will benefit you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of riffing off the, you talked about it being a search place, but their, their algorithms are so advanced that oh, yeah. I, I can go somewhere, open up YouTube, not even logged in. And it already knows that I would prefer, or that there's a high chance I prefer this type of content versus my niece. Yeah. I focus on search because I do a lot of that optimization on the back end, and I think it pays off, but especially because I love, you know, library content and, you know, optimizing that. And, um, but every single time I, I go on YouTube on my iPad, on my phone, and I just, you know, I just go there and I just, I want to watch something, and I, but I don't know what. It amazes me the stuff that they recommend that I'm not subscribed to, that I'm like, wow, this is exactly what I want to watch right yeah. now. You know? No, and, and actually, I was just thinking, I can't forget to mention this, but the fact that, you know, Google, Google, everybody uses Google. It's like, I want to say it's 98% um, in terms of search traffic. I might be a little high there, but um, not everybody uses Bing or any other solution anymore. And YouTube is perfectly positioned for that. A lot of traffic to YouTube comes from Google, especially some of that search traffic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I certainly can't think of a better platform for library content or evergreen content uh, anywhere. I mean, if you if you uh, learn of anything, I'm, I'd be totally interested. But if you have content that people may be looking for in five years, um, I don't know where a better place to put it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I give you a quick little sort of like anecdote from uh, I recently started working with uh, Josh Flaps again and. Um, seeing like all my old channels that I set up back then. And there was a channel that they uploaded about a hundred videos on that we had set up. This is talking about 2013 here. Wow. It's literally never been touched for in, 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 in seven years now. And literally last month it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is happening? All of a sudden it went from like zero to a hundred thousand subscribers within a uh, few months wow. so yeah that's to me that's the stuff that just like uh, makes me so happy to, to see uh, the content that i managed to do same thing with like um uh, another client that i have that that has had this video about um that they uploaded a couple years ago about frozen iguanas and then guess what happened this week right uh florida got got a freeze and uh all of a sudden that video just popped uh -huh. right? And, you know, I just love, I love seeing that. I love showing that as, as case studies. I recently did a, an audit for, for a channel that they, they, they do a lot of cooking and, and, and amazing, amazing cake stuff. And I said, well, there's, I was looking at the ad insights and, and looking at how the search uh, affects their stuff and just pulled an old case study where another chef channel had this like Christmas cake and, or some sort of like, yeah, it was sort of like a Christmas cake in the, that's regional here and every year it popped and every year it popped bigger than the year before. And I said, this is why it's still so important to make sure your content is search friendly on this system because it, it, it just pays off in the long run. And oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, certainly there's some variances depending on the type of content you're putting up and in terms of how much focus you put on the search piece of the algorithm. But there's, in my opinion, people, 
is one thing that that always gets me is uh you know it does take time to come up to do the research and thank god for for tools out there like tubebuddy and 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 good iq and some of the others but it takes some time to do the keyword research to to understand your audience to to craft titles that are that are relevant and yet you know optimized and catchy mm-hmm. and thumbnails and stuff but then again how much money are in many cases people are spending you know several thousand dollars if not more on a given video they're mm-hmm. doing script writing they're doing shooting they're doing editing post you know all sorts of production and then you know it comes down to can you spend an hour when you're putting that up to really make sure it does the best it can yeah. and and time in time out i see that a lot of people don't so uh yeah it's i'm i'm ranting <laughs> it's all good it's I'm all good. now it's yeah. audio that we don't pay by the minute uh, <laughs> Mark, it's been awesome to riff with you. Um, yeah, man. Tell us uh, where should the audience pay attention to you? Is it, I would assume I'm assuming Twitter is your go-to platform. Yeah, it's just as much as I tell everybody that I work with how they should be using social and uh, and how it's important is in YouTube. I I am uh, somewhat of an introvert, and uh, I don't. I don't do a lot of that myself at the moment. So yeah, I am on Twitter. Uh, it's Mark R. Robertson. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, although I'm not quite as active just because I feel there's uh, a lot of spam at the moment, but that happens everywhere. But yeah, there. And then obviously um, at any VidCon, um, you know, certainly through this year in the U.S., I'll be, I'll be doing that as well. So Awesome. I'll be linking those in the show notes just to let everybody know. And like, don't worry about being an introvert. You're literally on the perfect podcast for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, yeah. That's our audience. (laughs) I think I'm like on a, I think I'm right in the middle because when I want to turn it on, I turn it on. But then after I've had two hours of talking with people, I need to like go in my cave and take a nap. (laughs) <laughs> no, exactly what an introvert is. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm an introvert. It's, like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, for the most part, you just want to be in your cave and, you know, with your family and all and all your close ones. And then, you know, when you're on, you're just on and then you just need three weeks of like, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Follow, I'd love to have people follow me on Twitter. You may get upset that I occasionally will bitch about a company that like DoorDash who mm-hmm. screws, up a, screws up a delivery, but uh but for the most part, I, I like to share um, information as it relates to what we do. This is why we, we get along because I do exactly the same thing yesterday. <laughs> we did how to hover because they're such, they've turned into such spammers. Uh-huh. No comment. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you very much, Mark, for being on the episode. And as you said, Tom, he's extremely humble. And he like he kept telling me, it's like, oh, if if I'm not interesting enough, like, don't worry, you won't hurt my feelings. And I was like, are you nuts? This was fascinating, a conversation. Me and him and you and a couple other people in this world, we we totally spent hours uh, just geeking out in this space, uh, you know, over drinks. So, yeah, like I would have him back in an instant. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely fascinating to hear more of Mark's story. Like, like you say, very kind of kindred spirits. I think um, we hold a lot of very, very similar, similar views. And you know, just to hear him say stuff like when he got started on YouTube, like people didn't even have cameras on their phones. That's 
you know, that's how OG Mark is. So, like, you know, he paved the way for all of the, the, the so-called experts. And Real SEO was actually where I got a lot of my early um, information from because, you know, I yeah. if you hear my, my story, which you can hear in a previous episode, I started on YouTube for the BBC with zero experience. So I was literally Googling, like, how to create a subscribe link. And it was all on. It was all real SEO. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, huge, exactly. Huge, huge hat tip to uh, to Mark there. Um, yeah. yeah, I think probably the biggest kind of things that I kind of uh, there wasn't anything that I disagreed with, but the biggest points that he made that I did really, really resonated with me was um, when he was talking about like, yeah, it really saddens him when um, there's an algorithm change in or a, a policy change in creators kind of fall by the wayside but at the same time he appreciates that youtube is running a business not a charity and you know it's kind of the, the cost of doing business on somebody else's platform so you, you know you need to diversify your your revenues revenue streams uh, yeah exactly i was really interested in his take on uh youtube continue continually failing at social over the years and i'd never really thought about it like that but you know when you think of google plus and no one's using stories. No one's really using the community tab to great, uh, at least not in great volumes anyway. Um, I don't know if anyone's using a story. I don't even know if I've ever seen a YouTube story. So, yeah, I, I just think, yeah, you know, they've, they've had like Messenger. That, that's gone away now. Uh, it's all kind of, it's interesting. It's really interesting that take. I'd never really thought about it. But when you look back, yeah, it's a, it's a, a history of, a failed kind of social <laughs> social video, um, but the absolute the kind of biggest thing that I took away was the memory of uh, when he was talking about when YouTube changed the suggested sidebar structure. Because when I first started, you were guaranteed the first three or four spots in that suggested sidebar. <laughs> so uh, they were the, those were the good old days, and uh, now helping clients to dominate those organically is uh, a lot harder than that. But I, I love, uh, I remember in Amsterdam a few years ago, Mark gave a talk and it was something along the lines of algorithm, schmalgrim. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, something like that because it's like, he's right, it's, it's a giant thing that's probably like self-aware now that's just growing all the time, millions of lines of code and it's so easy for people to get caught up in this is how the algorithm works. This is what you need to do. Oh, has the algorithm changed? But really, it's all about doing the fundamentals right, uh, so that you're kind of algorithm proof. You know, make good content, make sure that it's optimized within reason, and make sure yeah. you're making content that people actually want to see. And outside of those three, everything else is kind of tactical. So, yeah, I love uh, I love Mark's kind of uh, outlook on algorithms and not not getting too. Excited on that yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like he's got so much experience in this space, and it's uh, you know, again, he's a super asset and super connected. Every time I would like talk to him about anybody specifically, it's like, oh yeah, I know them, I know him. And obviously, you know, um, managing the uh, industry track in, at VidCon, sort of, you get to know pretty much everybody in the scene. So uh, it was just, you know, again, it's just an awesome, humble guy to to talk to. Yeah, and if either of us were ever to be hit by a bus. I think Mark could easily step in to the fray and be a, a, a co-host because yeah. by going by his Twitter alone, he's got 
plenty of sprinkles of snark. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah. If ever, uh, Mark, if ever you're looking for a gig other than uh, becoming a YouTube star. Yeah, and if you're looking for the latest YouTube or Google SEO news or you just love hearing companies being shamed on Twitter, then make sure you're following Mark on Twitter as well. <laughs> awesome. So uh, thanks again. Thanks for listening, obviously. And um, we're, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. We have a lot of interviews lined up. Um, you know, we're trying to sort of diversify and get other voices in because obviously we're opinionated, but we want to hear other people sort of reaffirm our opinions. <laughs> and if they disagree, we don't want to listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks for listening obviously if you enjoy this podcast please please uh give us uh, a shout out on the uh socials at video insiders on twitter is our main sort of like active one because every, every other one is sort of like meh we obviously on the apple podcast app where uh everybody gets discovered these days and obviously share this podcast with anybody in your ecosystem that you know is as passionate about this ecosystem as us. Um, thanks a lot. And we cannot go without saying another huge thank you to our incredible sponsor, TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. And remember, if you want to get your hands on that exclusive Video Insiders TubeBuddy discount, you can do so by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Awesome. Awesome. Have a good one. See you soon.